Welcome to Explore the Word podcast. I am so glad you chose to join with us today. We will continue our survey of foundational doctrines of Christianity, and in this episode, we'll examine the church. Ecclesiology is a doctrine primarily found in the New Testament. It's all about the church. The word church does appear in the Old Testament, uh, but in the New Testament is where we really see the importance and the doctrine come alive. In the New Testament, the church is identified as the body of Christ with a specific task and program. In Matthew 16, 17, the body of Christ is predicted by the Lord. He gave instructions around the discipline and forgiveness of members of a local church. During the early stages of the church, there, were a lot of, there was not a lot of preaching and teaching concerning the church. Much more time was focused on the doctrine of, say, Trinity and sin than ever on the church. There was a growing emphasis on the truth that the church was to be composed of the redeemed, but that's about as far as it went. And during the Middle Ages, there was no advancement of the doctrine of the church. During the Reformation, numerous leaders spoke up about the church. Martin Luther opposed the concept of church that the Roman Catholic Church was promoting. John Calvin opposed the Roman Catholic teaching on the church as well. Another group that opposed the Catholic doctrine was the Anabaptists. The Anabaptists are the forefathers of modern-day Baptists. These leaders led churches that never were part of the Catholic Church. They taught the church should be like what was ascribed in the New Testament. They were striving to be biblical. We need to remember that many Reformation leaders had great respect for the Catholic Church. Their design was not to leave, but they thought they needed to be reformed, so thus Reformation. There was a conflict between these Reformation groups and leaders and those who held to the Anabaptist position. And the conflict was really rooted in the different views of what the church is and what it was supposed to do. Anabaptists rejected infant baptism, stressed believers' baptism. And they were very much opposed, very much in opposition to the union of church and state, which was rampant in those days. In our modern world, there's a great effort to build a world church. Sadly, this is driving, this drive comes from much, without much regard for purity of doctrine. This drive is the impetus of the modern day ecumenical movement that we see about us. And it can all be traced back to liberalism, you know, theology that is liberal. So outside the word of God, man-based philosophies. Church history records for us that the theological liberalism paved the way for church union movement. The earliest supporters of this church union threw off cardinal doctrines for, of Christianity uh, quickly. You go back to 1894 to the Federal Council of Churches of Christ in America was begun by individuals with very liberal leanings and theology. The World Council of Churches actually was started to be formed in 1938, but with the uh, advent of the Second World War, it was postponed, and it wasn't formed until 1948 in Amsterdam in Holland. Key positions of this World Council of Churches were filled by liberals at the very beginning. 
So this wasn't a case where liberalism kind of sneaked into the organization. From its very first day, liberals were in positions of authority and leadership in this organization. In the 1960s, a, a group called the Consultation of Church Union was formed. This group's stated beliefs are definitely not in harmony with many biblical doctrines. One day, God will judge any and all false world churches that exist. None will escape his judgment. Revelation 17, verse 1. And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of this earth have committed fornication, and inhabitants of earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. The New Testament clearly and repeatedly teaches that false teachers would come, and they would hurt the church. 1 Peter 2.1 But there were false prophets also among you, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord have brought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. As a believer, we have a responsibility to separate from false churches and any false teachers' teachings, and that responsibility falls to the church as well, to be wise about what is being taught and be aware. The word ecclesia is a word translated church throughout the New Testament, meaning a called-out assembly or a gathering of people. There are numerous passages concerning the Lord's teaching on the church, Matthew 16, 18-20 is a very popular one and is taken by the Catholic Church to teach that Peter is the foundation of the church. It's very likely that in this portion of Scripture, the Lord pointed to Peter and said, Thou art Peter, and then pointed himself and said, Upon this rock I will build my church. But even if he didn't do that, Peter never claimed this authority. He denied it. 1 Peter 1, 1, Peter, apostle of Jesus Christ. To the strangers scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. He never once thought he was the rock, the, the, the foundation of the church. No, he was just merely a worker and a builder for Christ. In Ephesians 2, 19-22, Jesus Christ himself says to be the chief cornerstone. He is the foundation of and for the church. There is no other foundation but him. Within the New Testament, we can find numerous things concerning the church, <clears throat> the way things should be done. Leaders of a local church were chosen. Acts 20, verse 17, And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. This is Paul and his journey. He's coming to the church. Paul did not elect these elders. These elders were elected, brought into positions of authority by that local church. The local church raised funds to assist in the furtherance of the gospel, 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. Each of the local churches were assembly of born-again believers who were involved in worship, assisting the brethren, and promoting the gospel of Jesus Christ in their localities, in their communities. Uh, from scripture, we see there is a membership. The number of converts, uh, converts were known. Uh, Acts 2.41, the very beginning of the church. Uh, then they that gladly received these words were baptized and saved. They were added unto them about 3,000 souls. There were special 
requirements and conditions set out for widows to help them in 1 Timothy 5.9. The choosing of leadership for a local church uh, certainly teaches the responsibility and accountability of a church in Acts chapter 6, verses 2 to 5. It's the church's responsibility to choose their pastor, to find a leader and elect then deacons in their church. That's their job. It's never the job of a group in a faraway city or anything of that nature. It is a local church responsibility. The Bible teaches the church has two offices. Qualifications of the pastor, the pastor being the first office, uh, is given in First uh, Timothy three one to seven and in Titus six to nine. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly, uh, for a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre. But a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word which he had been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Their duties, the duties of a pastor, are many, and they do vary from church to church. Never does it remove the duties, but they do vary. Like if I lived a as a pastor in a more rural area. There will be a little bit different uh, focus as where I live now in a big city. So they do vary from church to church, uh, but the qualifications never change. And there's definitely a lot of duties that stay the same. Deacons have a high standard to follow as well in 1 Timothy 3, 8 to 13. A deacon is to be a servant of the church. That is their primary responsibility. The local church is responsible for two ordinances. Some churches refer to them as sacraments. A sacrament conveys the idea of saving merit or grace. Communion and baptism do not convey any merit of grace. Okay, so ordinance is the correct term. And I would encourage you to use that term. Don't use sacrament. Again, we're, we're saying that these things keep me saved or help me be saved. No, they're just obedience. They're just doing what God wants us to do. Believers of baptism is a public testimony of one's decision for Christ. That's it. It symbolizes the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a step of obedience as well. The Lord tells us to do it. Communion is to observe, to be observed to remember what the Lord has done for a believer. Again, no conveying of grace. It's just obedience. Why did the Lord create and build the church? Uh, it's been narrowed down to these three. A church needs to exalt the Lord. When a a local church worships, honors, and obey him. They're exalting him. They're glorifying the Lord. The ministries and activities of a local church need to be glorifying the Lord. Its operations need to be secure in the word of God. And the idea, it follows biblical parameters. The second principle is teaching the saints. That's the principle of teaching the word of God. That's a local church responsibility. The church re reaches the lost, and they need to be taught the scriptures. The Lord instructed the apostles to feed the sheep in John chapter 21. Paul did this in his missionary journeys. We need to encourage and bear each other's burdens. The local church, the third one, is given the responsibility to reach the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This commission is given in each of the gospels as well as Acts. The mission of the local church is to make the Lord Jesus Christ known and to glorify him. 
we need to be reaching out to those around our community as well as supporting missionaries to bring the gospel to foreign lands. Uh, that's our responsibility. Every Christian needs to be a member of a local New Testament church. Each believer has a vital part to play in the body of Christ. Each member is needed to accomplish the tasks that God has given the local church. The church is not a building. Though buildings are helpful and expensive, (laughs) the church is the individual believers gathering together who glorify the Lord, edify fellow believers, and reach the lost with the gospel. Thank you for listening in today. I hope it's been a help and encouragement to you in your Christian walk. Have a great day, and until next time, keep exploring the Word and looking to Jesus.